Alright, what we're gonna do is go back. Way back. Well, kinda. We'll start with Booksum and Mog. Together they had nine children. Six girls, followed by three boys. They named their youngest daughter Maggie. She married Frey. They had two sons and one daughter. I am the oldest of them. I'm Kendrick. The middle boy they named Herbie. Well, his name is Aubrey, but we'll get into that later. He married Deborah, and they had three girls. I am the oldest of them. I'm Tawana. The first girl and oldest of Bugsum and Mog's children was named Blossom. She married a man named Eugene, well, we call him Dean, and they had nine kids between them, seven boys, and two girls. The oldest girl was named Myra, and she married David, and they had three kids, two boys, and the oldest was a girl, and that's me, Simone. Of Blossom and Jean's kids, the tallest of the boys was Jerome. He married Juanita, and they had two sons, the oldest of which was actually the first grandchild that the two would share. And that's me, Will. But they call me Jimmy. So, y'all catch all that? Anyway. Hey, cousin! So this week, we want to start off tonight's experience with raising children while Black. Because on this call, we've got parents, we've got an aunt, we've got people that are a part of a generation that have seen another generation come up after them. You know what I'm saying? So parenting is more than just parenting your own biological children, but parenting can be parenting the kid up the street who might look up to you or whatever. So we want to kind of start having that conversation and um, how things might have changed over the years and how we now need to kind of shift our gears with that. And um, we're going to start there and hopefully we'll be able to get into social media and how that affects not only individuals, but households today in 2021. But to kick things off, y'all, um, I would like for us to kind of go around in a round circle uh, situation and just kind of give one helpful thing that you took from your parents' parenting style. And then we can start talking about how we then want to change those things for today's generation. Um, I can start first. And for me, coming from the family that we come from, I think it is a very common thread that we are hard workers. And so with me, one of the greatest assets that I have as far as like my personality bank goes is I'm gonna get the work done. If I have to get something done, I'm gonna try my best, I'm gonna try my hardest. And I feel like that is a bit of a lost art these days because things come so easily sometimes to people and um, a lot of times people just don't make the effort a lot of the times to accomplish things these days so things that I know that I learned from my parents and I definitely want to make sure I bring that into my own parenting style moving forward and that's the 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 quality of working hard just to piggyback off what Junie was saying hard work has definitely been one of the things that we've learned, I want to tweak that a little bit in my generation, but we'll get to that also as we, as we go through. But uh, unity was always the big thing. Our family was super, super close. You know, you could always call on somebody and, and we could get, uh, rally around each other to, you know, make whatever happened, happen. Pretty much the biggest thing is the unity aspect that I think we're kind of missing to a certain extent because as we got 
further generations, people started moving around and, you know, starting their own families from different, different areas. But uh, knowing who you are, respecting yourself and others, those were the things I think that really helped me throughout my life through the uh, military, working in the private sector, and just interacting with people from different backgrounds and things of that nature, you know. Just uh, respect, respect yourself and go out and do the best you can. The one thing they can't call us is some lazy asses, okay? We ain't around here bumming and none of that. We around here working, we get into it. So yes, of course, hard work, like Judy said. Of course, um, respect. Um, I think our family is real big on that. We, we, could, we, don't, we don't mind other people's business now. That's one thing you could say we don't do. We do not mind other people's business. Um, I think uh, the last thing is the thing that we what started this whole conversation off is the faith. Um, for me, them instilling the faith of um, a higher power, the most high, I'm nev that's never going to leave me ever, 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 ever. Even when I was in college and I was not going to church, church was still in me. I would say Every single, every single time I thought about when I was doing some branches stuff, every single time I thought about saying my all father prayers or my Psalms 23, I would say it. And I really feel like in a lot of instances, that little prayer kept me because I wasn't thinking about no church, none of that stuff at certain points in my life. But because my mom and dad, our family is really big on um, having some type of some type of connection, relationship, something with God, I think that has helped me a lot, tremendously, um, as a woman. Um, and I've now, I, I, I pass it on to my kids, but I twerk a little bit, and I know we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so what I was going to say is definitely hard working, and, um, hard, well, working hard, and one tip that I was able to kind of see firsthand is working for self, like, um, like I have an aunt who's an orthodontist uh, and she's really like killing the game right now. And she's really who I got to see firsthand working for herself, like, and making a good bit of money from it. You know what I'm saying? Making it look good. You know what I mean? And um, seeing that, and I didn't even realize it at the time, but seeing that just kind of motivated me. I'm like, well, I don't have to, get a job I can create my job you know what I'm saying just actually seeing it and once you get everything aligned that can really be something that could take off for you you know just depending on the type of person that you are too but definitely that working hard and working for self but it's, first thing I would have to put on the list is definitely working hard and I know Tawana uh one of the things that you said that one thing can nobody call us is lazy and I don't know about y'all branch of the tree. It's because I've heard it all day and all night growing up. The second that I didn't do no hard work, if my nose wasn't in a book or if my feet wasn't sweeping something up or something, it was like, you're looking behind, get your behind. And it's like, and that also ties me back to what Kendrick said about some of them tweaks. It's like, all right, now y'all we can work hard and we can understand the value of working hard and hard work, but we do have to balance that with relaxation and self-care and understanding those things. And I think that kind of like 
that whole conversation right there really starts me off down the road of where I think we should go now. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there are things that we learned that when we really count up the cost, it made us into the individuals, into the men and women that we are today. But the approach sometimes was not the best. It was, it didn't feel the best along the way, you know? And we come from a family that isn't the most emotional group of people. It's very black and white. And I understand this more in my dealings with other people and other individuals and other people that I love, where it's like, yo, you might have to soften that up a little bit, you know, in order for them to really understand where you're coming from and for, you know, you to get the point across like you wanted to, you know? And um, one of the biggest things for me is now that I have my own son and, you know, he's three months old, uh, almost four months in a, in a few weeks now, but it's looking at him, especially because he looks so much like me, is like looking at him, it's like, yo, like I kind of get a chance to raise myself in the way that I wish I could have been raised, like handle myself in the way that I feel like I should have been handled in some of those things where, you know, my parents, God bless their hearts, I feel like they kind of misstepped a little bit. And one of the biggest things is being able to treat your children with respect from day one. They shouldn't have to grow to earn respect later on down the line. Like treat them like how you would want to be treated yourself. Like if you want somebody to, to approach you with kindness, go ahead and approach your kid with a little bit of that kindness. Like, because sometimes the things that kids do, really they don't have the, um, they don't have the wherewithal to think as rationally as we as adults do because their brains are still developing. But there is a reason for most of the things that they're doing, right? And I think if we as parents work a little harder to try to understand that root, then we can get to the place where we can understand them better. I remember real quick before I passed it off to somebody else, when I was younger, um, I might've been in like second grade, y'all. And it was one of the few beatings I got because I was pretty good until I was pretty sneaky. Like my sneaky was top notch. Like ain't nobody know what I was up to. You know what I'm saying? But I had a second grade class where we did this project, right? And we um, shaved the crayons down into wax paper. And then like you ironed on a light setting over the wax paper after it was folded into half. And then when you unfolded it, it made kind of those, um, I, it's a, it's a, a raw shank or it's, it's like a, a picture that you look at it in like old school psych psychology offices, they would um, they would show you this picture and you would have to say what you see. And depending on what you see, they're like, oh, this, this motherfucker crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I see two deers killing each other in the valley. You know what I'm saying? Like, I forget the name of that. I'm gonna look for it when it's not my turn so I could come back in and say it. But it was to make those things. And I was like, yo, this is so cool. Like, this is art, I'm feeling creative. So I went home. And I'm like, yo, I probably can't really use the iron like that because it's not that safe, but I can use the microwave. So my ass got the wax paper, put the, sh the crayon shavers in there, folded it in half, put it in the microwave for a little bit. Got that ass toe down, y'all. And I'm like, yo, like, why is it on me? Because really, I was just trying to make art. That's it. I wasn't trying to be bad. I wasn't actively trying to 
disrespect the house or disrespect y'all little microwave. I was just trying to do a little bit of the art that I learned in school. And y'all ain't asked me nothing about it. Y'all ain't try to figure out where I was coming from with it. It was just belt to butt, you know, and that's it. And I feel like if they would have approached that differently, I could have saved an ass whooping, number one. And then number two, it could have provided an opportunity for them to see like, oh, he's got some artistic tendencies. So maybe let me find a more, uh, a more centralized environment where he could express himself creatively that won't be tearing up my stuff in the house. You know what I'm saying? That could have been a whole thing that we could do every Saturday or every uh, uh, Friday or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think when you are so quick to anger as a parent, you lose opportunities to better understand your kids. I want to go ahead and kind of piggyback on that because as you guys know, I am the youngest in the group, you know, the cutest, and I don't have any kids. So I have a niece that <laughs> just born, uh, like what, two years ago. And she gets into things where she's like, she's getting into the stage where she's like writing on the walls and stuff like that. So Junie, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I have to get on my parents too. I have to let them know, like, listen, y'all, I understand y'all want to get mad, but at the same time, you got to, I mean, she's a kid. She does not know that you don't need to be writing on the walls because then somebody going to have to paint the walls over and ain't nobody got no money for that. That means I got to work overtime. Like, we don't know that as kids, you know what I'm saying? So you kind of got to give the little kids grace too, because they just don't know. They just little people. So if we were just, you know, and knowing what I know now, because I have some memories of my own personal childhood, like where I was reprimand, re reprimanded for things that I just didn't know about. And the, 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 the outcome could have been so much different. Had I just been educated on what I did and what I did wrong and why that was wrong, that would have turned out totally different. I would, I mean, it's just you you got to be more patient with children and a lot of parents just really don't care about stuff like that they just well you do something bad i'm gonna tear your ass up and i it don't have to be like that like kids just really don't know you got to kind of take it back a little bit you ex a lot of parents like expect for their children to think on their level and it's so crazy because it's like girl how could you expect for your child to even know something like that if you're her only teacher especially if they haven't even gone to school yet. When they're toddlers, you are their teacher. So you have to teach them those things a lot. And I mean, a lot of parents have dropped the ball with that. You know, I'm not on here to bash parents or nothing like that, but I'm just being honest. Like a lot of parents drop the ball when it comes to educating their child because for the longest, we didn't know about that. I mean, if we did, it was about stuff. I'm sure like in Africa, we had to educate our kids, you know, on certain stuff like that. I mean, girl, I'm in here, but, but I mean, you got to think about that. Like, we, we don't know until we know. And how else will we know if you don't teach us, mom? Your mother is your first teacher. You teach them everything. Teach them how to be compassionate. You know, teach them how to, you know, just live and go through life. And I mean, teaching kids the good and the bad. You know, I do that with my niece for sure. For sure. Like, I'll let her know, like, yo, that wasn't cool, bro. Like, that's not, that's not nice. Like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, I'll tell my nieces certain things. If I'm going to tell them they're, they're wrong, I'm going to explain it like it's, it's, it's really, really big, does not take long, but I feel like a lot of people like even when I, I mean, we come from a black family, we all have the same type of parents, we all got to ask what, you know what I'm saying, but I honestly feel like if there had been a conversation to avoid that violence, 
that would have had a different turnout. Like I wouldn't be scared to talk to my parents about certain things when all I needed to do was just ask them for, you know, a quick question. But me thinking back to the last time I did something and I was reprimanded for it, I don't even want to deal with that. So I'm going to just make my mistakes on my own. And that, that, that causes a, uh, it, it causes like distrust in the family already too. You know, it's really a lot, but parents really have to understand that, listen, you are responsible for this little person that you brought here into the world. They didn't ask to be here. You wanted to selfishly bring children into this world. Like that's what you wanted. So you gotta fucking do what you gotta do to make sure that you on this kid's side, you bring them up, you teach them everything. So if there's something that they don't know, that's on you. You can't get mad at nobody else. You can't blame no teacher, can't blame no other family member. That is your responsibility until one of you two leave this earth. So, I mean, I don't know how I got all the way over there, but yeah, that's how I feel about churn. Just to, just to cut in, like I promised y'all, the name of the, the art was a raw shank test. So if y'all listening, look that up and that that's what I was on. But <laughs> but Simone, I definitely hear you. I definitely hear exactly what you're saying because there's a responsibility that comes as a parent where you can't really put it on nobody else. Like, and one of the things that you that you said in in um in your exchange just now was that it creates distrust in the family and distrust with that relationship. And one of the things that can also stem from that is then you have people who have distrusting relationships with others. You can't go to nobody for help because you are already conditioned to be fearful of the reaction that you'll get, of maybe they'll, you know, take away your love or, or take away their love rather, or take away the respect that they have for you or whatever. Like these things that happen in these households when we're younger really color the rest of the way that we live our lives in perpetuity. But I know one of you wanted to say something too. Yes, I, I think I have a lot. I think I, I have a lot to say. Some things I kind of resonated with Simone with and then some things I disagree with because as a mom, I didn't get a manual. I just was pregnant. And my mama, the way she raised me, I knew I wasn't going to raise my kids the way she raised me. I knew that. So in understanding that my mom didn't have a manual and her mama didn't have a manual, you got what you got. You got generations of the way they were raised passed down to them. My mom was super, super. Her mother, she had nine brothers and one sister. And her sister is like 20 age, her senior. So she was locked down. She couldn't go nowhere. It was no playing outside. It was no fanning up around, no niggas. Her mom used to sell, she was a bootlegger. So, you know, with the prohibition stuff or whatever, my grandma Melina used to sell liquor out the house. You know what I'm saying? So with that, and my grandmama knowing, you know, people would come over, she kept my mama far away from that, you know? So her discipline and the only reason my mom got to do stuff is because she became a cheerleader. And when she became a cheerleader, Grandma Melina had to be a little bit um, lenient on her, but all my mom did was do what she was taught to us. So in understanding that, I understand that there's no manuals. However, even though she raised us the way she raised us, I'm not knocking that way, but that's all she had. She made us independent of her and dependent on God or dependent on us. You know what I'm saying? Because when you are a kid, you know, like my job with my two sons is to make sure that they're independent of me because I ain't trying to take care of y'all ass for the rest of y'all life. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not trying to do it. Sorry. I love my boys. They come to me. They need anything. I'm going to help them. But my job is to get them independent of me and dependent on them and God. That's that's it. And once, if that come at 18, if that come at 21, if that come at 25, if it come at 30, whenever it comes, I'm going to still be their mama, but I'm going to do it the way I need to do it for my son, my kids. Um, I have a friend that does not tell their kid no. He's in Colorado. He has four kids and he had, he just got a, had a baby with another girl. She's kind of like a new age conscious thinker and their son they don't tell their son no. They allow their son to explore. I think it's a little weird, but that's how they're raising their son because they're like, we don't ever want to deprive him. We don't ever want him to feel like, even if he say no, you need to work your way up to a yes. He, they, they're trying to create this world of you can have whatever you want. You can manifest whatever you want, even if the answer is no right now. You know, so, you know, we talked about that and i like I said, this was about two years ago and I thought it was extremely weird, but that's how they're raising their kids. As far as me, you know, what I've learned, I wouldn't have been so curious about certain things if I could do them. Shit. If y'all ain't tell me no, you can't do this, you can't go no way you did, I would have tried to sneak to do it. I would have been able to experience it without feeling like I was being, you know, as a teenager, you feel left out when you can't do not everything everybody else is doing, but come on now, football game, come on now. You can't tell me I can't go to no football game now, mama. Stop it. So those are some of the things, you know, I had to deal with. And for instance, I want to give four examples of raising, um, trying to stay on topic of raising my children versus the way I was raised. You know, my mom kept us in church. One of the ways I try to keep the most high prevalent in my kid's mind is, we pray and we do affirmations every morning, no matter what. So that is my way of instilling that you do need to rely on a higher power other than yourself, because when this flesh and all this go away, that spirit is still going to live. And if you haven't fed that spirit what it needs, it's going to be real weak and on a cane like Franklin on snowfall. Okay. So I try to teach them that <laughs> the practical things of like we was walking in the neighborhood. Take that goddamn hoodie off your head, Chase. You know they killing niggas just because. Why would you walk around in this neighborhood with a hoodie on your head when you know the consequences of that action? Unfortunately, that's what we're that's the America we're living in. You put that hoodie on and the right person see it and wanna, you know what I'm saying? Even with me standing there walking, you see my fat ass exercising. You, you know, don't put yourself in a situation to where as in you can hurt, you can become harmed because unfortunately the America that we're living in is very racist, especially against black people, especially against black right. males. Wanna, they don't, you can just be black and walk down the street. I don't know if y'all saw the, um, the instances that happened uh, in Colombia where this kid was literally just walking down the street. He didn't have a hoodie on. He was in a t-shirt and some shorts. And I think he was walking with like his headphones or something like that. He was just walking outside, just getting a walk. You know what I'm saying? So it does not matter what you have on, but it is sad that we do have to have those conversations. But it's just scary because it's like, you know, that's so scary. I would hate to have to have that conversation with my kid, like you can't wear such a da, da, da. like I don't wanna 
I just I just don't want to have that approach, but I also don't want to have to have that conversation either. But I got to be realistic because that's the type of conversation you have to have when parenting while black. Real quick, two distant strangers is exactly I'm not sure if you guys got a chance to watch that on Netflix, but that particular doc it's not a documentary, but it's a short film on what it is to be black in America. So you summed that up, Nicole. So no, unfortunately, it's not fair that we can't just walk around with hoodies on our head if it's raining. Um, but Julie, I'm gonna let you go ahead and make your point. I was just gonna um, jump in and um, it's it's funny because my mother and I had a similar situation and my mom, like um, it was it was right after the young man got mistakenly killed with the, the taser versus the gun. Yeah, and so she was like, well, make sure if they stop you, you that, 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 that. I'm so tired of that. And I, I had to stop her there, Ma. I said, I said, Mom, I said, we've been having this conversation for years. I'm not gonna outwardly antagonize an officer, but at the end of the day, I'm also not going to dim myself and be in an enslaved person's mentality just for the sake of what these white people are out here doing. I'm not gonna go through my life fearful of every single thing just because of what may happen. Because you can do all the right things. You can it's be dope. Philando. Yeah, you can be Philando Castillo. That's you can announce the fact movie. that you have a concealed carry weapon, and then they still shoot you because you're a threat. And so my, when I internalize that for the future conversations that I'll have with my own son, I want to make sure that he is aware. You might be prejudged for this hoodie up. But I also don't want to pigeonhole him out of my own personal fears to a place where he can't walk up with a hoodie because it's going to be a group of his white friends. And I mean, say everybody on this call is in a place at this stage in life where we're probably a little bit more settled in parenthood financially than our parents might have been at the time when we were being raised. So we got our youth growing up in classes full of white people, you know what I'm saying? And the things that they see their white peers doing, I don't want them having to feel like they have to sanction themselves and tiptoe over, oh dang, like Bobby got his hoodie up, but let me take my hoodie off cause you know, I'm the nigga and they gonna, you know, they gonna go right to me first. Worst case scenario, America is gonna do a very great job of stealing the innocence of our black youth. And I would hate to be an active part of making them so internalized that they have to process all these things every single day of their lives at such an early time. My goal for my son is I want you to be able to express yourself in a way that is respectful, regardless of whoever. And I will make sure that I am prayed up over you. I will make sure that you are not a hothead to where you can't control your emotions, but I'm not gonna have you out here afraid to wear a baseball cap or afraid to wear a hoodie because of what they got going on. That's their shit that they gotta fix. We can't do nothing to fix that. That's fair, Julie, that's a fair argument. That's not, I don't live in fear. I, uh, uh, every morning affirm, I'm always protected, I'm always safe, and so does Chase and Chad. However, however, when it comes to the conversation of if a cop pulls you over, keep, Keep your hand on the wheel. Don't try to be rich for stuff. I've always, I think I've always been the precautionary person to whereas in don't give them no motherfucking reason. Even, even though black being black in America is a reason, 
don't bring the attention, don't attract them to you, you know? And because we live in a diverse neighborhood, of course I want him to be, that's all he wear is hoodies. These millennials don't give a fuck about no slavery. I'm telling y'all that right now. They don't believe, they're, they're, they, I don't, I think they're so far removed from it. It's like, did that really happen? Yes, That's it, it but that's, but that's systemic though. It's taught, it's being whitewashed more and more day by day, class by class in the schools that they're learning in. And next year they trying to take slavery to a whole different type of situation. They're trying to make it not as gruesome, not as violent because what that does is it shows America in a terrible light that anybody with good common sense can see yo this is a fucked up country but they're trying to get further yeah. and further away from that so the kids don't even really have a part in that they're being taught that well i'm gonna tell you this that's why the next thing i wanted to talk about is us sitting down and him in in us getting the education of you may not be a little street nigga but you're gonna watch boys in the hood you're gonna watch mm -hmm. minister society you're gonna watch juice you're gonna watch all these movies that we grew up watching to kind of learn the street sense of how to be a man in, in some cases or whatever. So I try to give them that. Billie Holiday's um, uh, Strange Fruit, that movie itself is a great, not only fictitious documentary, but it has a lot of truth to what went on. They tried to kill that woman's career because she sung about the strange fruit, which is basically hanging and lynching in America at that time. They don't want it to be portrayed. We understand that. But I feel like as a race, we have to collectively come together to figure out ways to keep pushing this agenda. Because it's amazing how I have to have a conversation with my sons about, you know, you got to be careful where you put that hoodie on at. Because you could get a bullet in you just because. Versus having the conversation of, we need to come together to try to figure out why is it that I ain't trying, I'm not no cop killer. But why is it that blacks, they be so ready to rev up when somebody done kill their cousin or mookie them or they a part of this or they a part of that. They be so ready to kill each other, but I ain't seen none of them turn up on no cop. Not one, not one. Thanks. So how do we, how do we, how do we, we break that? But just really quickly, just want to see these last two things. Finances in, in our home as taught with my parents them versus what I'm teaching my kids. My mom and them, when my daddy, first of all, my mom was kind of like a stay at home mom for the most part of our growing up. My dad brought the check home, she paid the bills. I didn't, we didn't see what was coming in. Like Kendrick was saying on the last episode, when the bank people and all these different people go to y'all room. With Chase and Chad, what, I, what I'm doing different is when I'm paid, I say, y'all see how much money in this account? And then I pay bills and they see how the money diminishes, decreases. They see, oh, mom had $3,500 in here. But as soon as she paid her, um, her rent, her utilities, her cell phone, her this, she got $500 left. And she got to make that shit scratch because we eat up all the groceries in the house. So it's like... You know, teaching them finances in the sense of them actually seeing like, okay, mom got paid. Okay, let me pay these bills. And your bills need to be paid on the first. But you get late fees and you, 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 you mess up your credit. Like having that conversation. I never had that conversation with my mom and dad. So I try to do that with them. And then the last thing I try to do is cuss words. 
I don't care if they cuss. <laughs> I don't. It's just words. So ass, hell, and damn, soft limits. It's not a cuss word. When we were little, we couldn't say butt. We couldn't say behind. We couldn't say lie. <laughs> hey, Wanda, what what'd you say instead of behind? I got one. Backside. Seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it used to be for us. Seat. Yeah. Sit your seat down. <laughs> so for me it's like to me when you don't say that it kind of makes your child kind of be like you know kind of mm. closed in not as confident not as because you scared to see a certain thing oh i can't see behind i can't see lie you know what i'm saying so empowering them to be themselves i don't care about cuss words because they're just words but if you're gonna use them cuss words you better be able to tell me what debolical means. You better be able to tell me what saltese means. You better be able to tell me what fictitious means. You better be able to know some big words too. Now, now here's, here's I think where we converge again, Juana, like, because for me, um, I had a big breakdown around cussing. Cause you know, I'll, I'll get in there and I'll give my best Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> in like a, a, a relaxed environment, right? But I think growing up, one of the things I couldn't cuss in the house, obviously, like I don't even know to this day. I think my mama heard me cuss one time and that's it. And um, one of the things that I want to make important is I will be sanctioning that type of language in the house because the bigger reason for me is I want them to be adept enough to use other words in the English language to effectively express themselves because what happens is when they are in that cop situation, they're upset and they're on 10 and they are comfortable using cuss words here and there. And then a cuss word fly out their mouth. They're not even thinking about it. Boom! Now you're aggressive. Now I'm going to do what I want to do to you there. Right. And that's, that's my mindset with that. I don't care too much about the hoodie stuff, but as far as like this mouthpiece, a cuss word can easily be read as an act of aggression if they're already looking for something from you, you know what I'm saying? Of course. So I want to kind of, wait, I, I kind of want to kind of not necessarily disagree with you because I understand where you're coming from, Junie, but mm -hmm. at the same time, if they learn cuss words, like how you were saying, um, suggesting Tawana, or even if they learn a different type of way to use their English language, like how you would like Junie, the same way you can teach them those things, you can also teach them another way too. Like you gotta outsmart off, you know, people nowadays. You know what I'm saying? So let them know, like the same way that we relax, we talking, we, we cussing at each other and stuff like that. The same way you can say, um, just like, man, fuck you, you dumbass, you know what I'm saying? Is the same way you can kind of make somebody feel bad by just kind of outsmarting them with your smarts, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not be you team both. You know you what I'm saying? You mean that's what I'm saying? Like I'm 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 being being able to be diplomatic and you can you can still tear into them. You can make that officer feel about two feet tall if you want to. Officer, I don't understand why you're stopping me right now. I'm not doing anything outside of the law. If you don't have an arrest warrant for me, if you're not about to arrest me, then it's well within my rights for me to move on. Now if that's a problem I can speak to your 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 commanding officer. You know what I'm saying? Like you can you can get with them, but as soon as you say I can speak to your fucking commanding officer, then it's different. You know what I'm saying? Then it takes it outside of the thing where you have 
made them feel bad, but they still have to respect you. You've given them an invitation to thusly respect or disrespect you because they feel like you've disrespected them. Like, yeah. I'm going to definitely teach my kids that. Like, I'm going to be able to have them slice and dice motherfuckers out here with these with this mouthpiece, you know, using words and, and kind of really playing the game, so to speak. But I, I want them to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Of if you're course, in a college accepted... Yeah. My kids will never yeah. be cursing around y'all. They wouldn't even use a curse word around y'all. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's a res it's respect. It's, it's, first of all, they're going to be respectful young men because that's my responsibility too. So no, y'all ain't going to see them at no function. What what the fuck is up? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But in my home, what I'm saying is as far as just being able to casually, they be on that game cussing. You know what? I'm not stop that cousin. Stop. I'm not, I'm not gonna be that mom. Like right. mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm talking about in the sense of it in this home, but outside of this home, it's it's no being disrespectful. And cussing is being disrespectful, especially if somebody old as shit around you. You have no right to be using that type of language. And because they daddy don't play that shit, their grandmama don't play that shit, they grandma, you know, they're gonna know it's gonna be an innate right. thing. But I don't want them to be afraid to be expressive if they, if they want to talk to me about something. Son's girlfriend was over here yesterday, and I walked in the room. They're um, 14 years old, and we let them, you know, hang out with each other sometimes. But she and him, they're not going to be able to see each other because when I walked in the room, you know what I'm saying? She's sitting on top of his lap. Now, here I am being the cool mom. Trying to be nice. Trying, trying to be nice to your ass. See, I'm mm. that mom. I, I even allow them to get their ear pierced, but as soon as they slept on the ear, I got the smallest thing. As soon as they slept in the ear and the thing went through, guess what? No more ear space and don't ask me again. Uh -huh. You understand? Don't ask listen, me again. Ask your daddy. Listen, that's what you messed up while they got that But you didn't keep up with pierced. it. He got that ear pierced and then <laughs> lap, lap sitting here, lap sitting there. <laughs> But I told him, and she, he was like, Mom, please don't tell her mom. Please don't tell her mom. I was like, I'm not going to tell her mom, but I'm going to have to put y'all on my own little personal punishment because you're 14. She doesn't need to be embarrassed about feeling something natural. If y'all talking on the phone, y'all been talking all through COVID, y'all have been spending time together. Of course, at 14 years old, you're going to want to touch and feel a kiss. You're going to want to do it, but you can't do it here, boo. You ain't going to be able to do it here. So, I am that mom. When I was 14, 15 years old, my mama wasn't letting me sit, sit around and talk with nobody, but I don't want my kids' curiosity to get them because I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, you can't go that way. No, uh -uh, I don't know who their mom is. Uh, like, I don't want to be that mom. And I haven't been, been her. So, Question, oh. Simone, I'm sorry. Uh, this, this cuts right to what you're saying. Simone, I'll make sure that we remember to come right back to you too. But now, okay, so Tawana, my question for you then is this thing is something that you know they're kind of like dicing around with. So when does the the condom conversation happen or like how are you gonna transition that? I've already I've already had that conversation with him way okay. before now. Um that kind kids are having sex at 12 um and 13, and I had no idea. Um, so that conversation has happened, but there's certain things I can't talk to him about like his dad can. I don't care what nobody be like, I'm the mama and the daddy. Bitch, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not the mama and the daddy. I'm the mama. He the daddy. 
So, and, and, and for kids that don't have like a male figure, of course, I'm sure there's an uncle or, you know, somebody that, but I just feel like his dad needs to have that full on, like real deal man conversation with him. I can't give that to him. Yeah. I just, I just asked for the listeners. I, I, I thought that yeah. was like thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Simone, go ahead. Um, I was just going to kind of ask a question, but it was pretty much piggybacking off of what you were talking about, Tawana. You was talking about how you didn't want to, in in so many words, you didn't want to suppress them being able to fully express themselves. And one question I wanted to ask was, how do you guys feel about the whole yes, ma'am, no, ma'am thing? My dad didn't let us address them like that. He was like, I'm your dad. You don't have to say yes, sir, yes, ma'am to us but i mean for older people outside of the house that was something that we did on respect my mama yes ma'am if you say yeah yes no yes ma'am no sir you're to death and (laughs) for me i use it even with my conversations like i've been able because i use yes ma'am and no ma'am like this is just for me um i even use it now like in customer service calls, like relationship, like when I'm talking to somebody, if I feel like they're a little bit older than me, it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Even if it's the JJ's worker at JJ's fish up the street, if they address me as yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, I do the same. I reciprocate um, the manners. Now, if it's a rude ass person, I'm not. And But with my kids, I, I feel like little boys need to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Because when they don't, they just that yeah, no. It just seems so disrespectful. Yeah, but that's how boys talk. And that's, we'll talk about that, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's the only reason why I make them do, I do make them do yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, but I'm not as hard on them as my mom was with me. Um, For me, I didn't grow up necessarily in a yes, ma'am, no, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir household, but I had peers that were very yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. So when I would go into those environments, I'd have to turn it on. And so now I'm in a place where I can turn it on and off, but I don't know if I'm so like hung up on it, but that tone, I'm going to be a tone policeman. I'll tell you that. Like if I, get a, if I get a nasty, yeah, it'll be like, isn't that a yes? You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a, a listen, better come correct. Nigga. <laughs> I, I, because I, I did come up well with my dad. Like it was like a yes sir, no sir type thing. And my mom wasn't, she wasn't tripping, you know what I'm saying? But I asked that because I know because of that and because of the type of person I was, that did restrict a lot of conversations that could have been had just because it's like, I can't speak to you freely. It's gotta be like something that's kind of militant. It's like, yes, sir, no, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Like, I just, I'm not even, I'm not on that. You know what I'm saying? And I don't do that with my nieces. Like, honestly, like even now, like whatever my nieces want to call me is what they want to call me. You know what I'm saying? My oldest niece calls me Miss Simone and I call her Miss London. And my youngest niece, uh, I just, it's just so beautiful just the other day. I walked in the house and she was like, hi, auntie. I'm like, I love her, okay? Listen, but I'm not really hung on that. I really feel like that kind of, um, kind of restricted a lot of uh, uh, conversations and really just did, I, I didn't feel like I was allowed to fully express myself because I know how I talk and I curse, you know what I'm saying? So if I'm in, if I'm in a heated 
conversation i feel like i can't talk to you because like i know i'm i know i'm a slip up and curse and it's not me being disrespectful it's just really me being me and i'm just trying to get my point across and if you stop me every time i curse there's no need for the conversation at this point so like that yeah that that kind of put a damper in the conversation area but with my nieces and even with my kids no we i ain't tripping off of that dumb shit you know like that's not like i would want you of course because it's a southern thing like to know to do it to elder people who who um kind of expect that you know what i'm saying just be like well you know this is a this is a yes sir no sir yes ma'am no sir no ma'am type of household so you gotta tell them boy that shit you know what i'm saying you know i don't give a fuck about that shit you know like you know that's that's the type of conversation we would have before we enter in that type of environment just so things can go a little smoother because people just gonna be like how they is just like how i'm me and when i talk i curse like that's just me you know what i'm saying some people don't be wanting to hear that cursing shit which i understand and i try to tone it down for them boy i really do but honestly either i'm gonna tone it down as much as i can but bitch if i miss a slip up and curse the conversation is over and i'm gonna have to talk to you later baby shit Okay, sorry, that's all I had to say. <laughs> I all right, so we got a lot to unpack, really. Um, first off, for my parents, um, to, big, to piggyback off what Tawana says, like, it's basically they're passing down how they were taught to, you know, raise children in a place of a child and things of that nature. Um, for me, my dad was, uh, you, you all know my dad. <laughs> My dad was a, a disciplinarian, but at the same time, I think he was fair overall. And as I grew into a man, you have to raise boys differently from how you raise boys, uh, girls, especially from a man's point of view. So if my dad was real nice to me and, you know, made things be seem like the world was going to be extra friendly to me because I was his son, I would be fucked up in the game when I got out into the military, into the real world, and people start talking, you know, rough to me. like start crying, it's not a good look. <laughs> so there was a, a balance that you have to have, especially coming from the community we came from with the racial tension being what it was in South Carolina. Your kids listening to you and respecting you was important not to only them, their egos, but your life. Because you can go out there and get your head blown off from anybody. I remember the first time I was called a nigger. It was me and Kendra. Remember um, James Allen Pickwick? There was like an old pool hall right there. Um, a bunch of like wineries to hang out there. But this guy came out and he was like, I hate you niggers. <laughs> and that would have traumatized most kids. <laughs> but for me, after being raised from a stern dad, and my mom wasn't really too soft either, really. She was soft-spoken, but she wasn't a soft woman. So I didn't, I didn't freak out. I defended myself. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the guidance. And sometimes I felt at the time, okay, y'all being too hard on me or things of that nature, but the world don't give a fuck about your little black face. They don't. So you want to kind of instill certain things into your kids early so that they understand, okay, well, I'm doing this out of love versus the rest of the world. So I might talk to you in a way that you don't like it right now, but what I've added to mine, Caden's kind of a cool kid. So, you know, I'm laid back anyway. So we have conversations like, like adults, you know what I'm saying? When he has an issue, he can talk to me 
and express himself fully, and then we'll, we'll come to some, some type of solution. You know, if, if it's dealing with another parent, his mom, and, and he has an issue with her, then he has to deal with her, <laughs> how he deals with her. But it's very important, and just to kind of like, you know, as we speak about our parents, there was the economical, economical side of things, first off, that, you know, being a college educated, we might be a little well off in comparison to our parents and at our ages back then, they had different things in their mind. <laughs> you know, you got a damn uh, mailbox full of bills and shit, and your kid fucking off, yeah, he's about to get it. <laughs> because you're not, it's not even so much about the kid, it's about the, the fact that you're trying to juggle being a parent, handling these responsibilities that you might not have really been prepared for at this time. Um, as far as parenting myself and my child, again, Caden, I don't wanna, I wouldn't say like, be like best friends or anything like that, but I communicate with him like he's an adult and he's about to venture out into this world as an adult. So if he asks me about anything, I'm gonna give him the honest truth. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> didn't even know that much truth, but you did because if you're curious about these things, I need to be the person to give you that damn shock before the rest of the world gives it a shock because if they give it to you, you're not prepared for it, they're gonna eat you alive. Which I know it sounds like really harsh and that's why I was telling you with Tawana with the boys, if you try to feminize your boy by saying, oh, don't like your tone, when he goes out there with some real other boys who are in their wild, in their natural environment, he's gonna get his ass handed to him because he can't adapt to from street <laughs> to you know different different areas of life. The one thing with me, I've always been able to, I could hang with the, the dope boys, the rough guys, the smart kids. The simple fact that I was taught that, hey, there's levels to life and interactions with people. So when you're around these kind of people, this is how you should conduct yourself. If you're in the rough part of town, you need to act like you, you, you not to be trapped. Act like you ain't scared. Act like yeah. you ain't Exactly. When you're out there, you need to be moving like you're a man. So if I, if, but at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword to parents because when you be like, hey, come clean this room. Like what? Don't answer. Hey, hey, boy, don't call me. Don't ask me no what. Okay, so now he's conflicted, and our our boys and girls can't afford to be conflicted. So I always I always kind of go back to this. We're the training ground for our kids. So at the end of the day, we're responsible to actually introduce them to life as a whole not just certain parts when we feel it's necessary, especially now we can always talk about the information age. Right now, you need to be having those rough conversations with your kids <laughs> as early as possible. When they can pick up a phone and start like, you know, finding folders, you need to have that conversation, these conversations, because otherwise you're setting your kids up for failure. And we don't want to set our kids up for failure. I think the biggest thing that I saw in, in comparison to growing up to right now was the fact that I, I think our parents try to protect us from things, but I don't think that was always, they met well. They should have protected us for things that we should have been prepared for. They protected us from things that we should have been prepared for. Right. Absolutely. Oh, that's good, Wanda. Yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I feel from this whole conversation. Like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, like I said, we don't want to because I'm sure our parents are going to see this. So I'm going to do shit. What? <laughs> 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 I mean, but, but real talk, it's like you said, Tawana, we didn't get no, at the hospital, you know, Caden was a preemie, so I was in that job like two months before I even got him home. But it, when I picked him up in the hospital, they were like, hey, take this book, and uh, this will give you the rules of parenting. Have a nice life. No, it was like, yo, hey, get it how you What's crazy is they get they got the book. Christy probably got this book. What to expect while expecting? <laughs> we got it in the next room. Yeah. Okay, but they don't have. They got the follow up version, but that ain't the real version. That's not mm -hmm. what you're going to experience. Who is the author? You know what I'm saying? That's another thing it's I really get into. I went to a PWI. So the majority of our books was from white authors. I only have one book and there's a stack of books because I'm, I'm going to be doing a show on each one of the courses that I took my senior year. So there are, is a stack of books here. And as I was thinking about writing for the show, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do my research and I'm just going to look back through the book again and give all this information to my people. And I literally stopped dead in my tracks. And I was like, I refuse to give these people the information based off of studies that was done on white people because the information is not the same. It's not the same. You know what I'm saying? The research is not the same. The subjects are not the same. So the results are not going to be the same. So every now I'm not saying every single thing that's in those books are lies. I'm just saying that the demographic is totally different. So the things that I would learn from there, yeah, I can get a good idea of what things look like. But as far as the, the statistics, I wouldn't be able to pull those from that book to give to my people. You know what I'm saying? So I can take some things from there, but I, I, I literally am going to have to put myself through my own college courses and buy my own college textbooks that were written by black authors. And I just want to cut in real quick, uh, Moni, with what you're saying, as far as the books, what my mom used to do, because she was just so freaking hard on me when it came to reading and writing. Tamara and Tara didn't get what I got. That's another thing. The first child, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Oh my straight. God. Listen. <laughs> we are all the first, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, every last one. Oh, yeah. But what my mom did was she gave me Roll of Thunder here and I cried. She gave me outside of the Emily Dickinson books and all of the different type of, you know, literature books or literary pieces and people that we learned needed to learn about. Guess what? Miss Moss was teaching us about um, what's that man name uh, from the they taught us about the um, the 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 like Langston Huge and all the, you know, Renaissance movement and all the things that we like Madam C.J. Walker. I've been new by her. I've been new about, you know, her story because it intrigued me. Um, so I think, too, as parents, we have to do things like that. When I go to the bookstore, I always get a book for Chase and Chad to read. That's a, that's written by us for us. You know what I'm saying? It explains whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I think, too, it's our responsibility to teach our kids what we want them to know. Another thing to piggyback off is something somebody said before. Like, I think one of y'all was like, we didn't learn about, you know, our Black history in school. They're not going to teach it to you. They're not going to teach it to you. So that's another thing as a teacher, as a parent, you have to teach your children Black history. Another thing you were saying, like, you was like, we were so, um, the generation um, below us, like the younger kids now are so um, far removed from slavery and stuff like that. But why is it that? Because the parents didn't teach them that. Maybe because they also didn't know. Here's my thing about that piece. 
because I feel like with that conversation, it was a whole lot of baggage that was kind of snuck in at the same time because that gives you a victim mentality. Mm. So you want to give them the facts about the, you know, where they came from, but history, we start our history as slavery. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So if you want to give them the whole story, give them the whole story. Don't start them as slavery because now you got a slave mentality. And you that's an excuse for your situation on how you move. Because, okay, well, hey, we were slaves, so I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't like that part for the simple fact that we start to limit our kids if you don't give them the whole story. Don't pick and choose. Give them from, from Africa to... Tools out now today that can make it easier for the kids to digest. I think, um, Kendrick, a long time ago, I think I sent you um, a, a video of this, um, this cartoon that they were, um, this, this company, this Black-owned company was doing. They had cartoons explaining what was going on you know, um, for the Black history back dating way back to when we were in Africa and stuff like that. So that's the Black history I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about just showing us the inventions that we got our patents stolen for, you know, um, for things just during the month of the Black History Month. No, I mean way back. So we can know about Mansa Musa, you know, the other great people, like even even like Gaddafi and stuff like that, like the most recent people that have been ruling over in Africa. Like we got to go way back then to let them know, like, they gonna take like let me tell you something, son. Like you, you a king. You know you come from a lineage of kings and stuff like that. The the the, the whole line didn't go through like how it was supposed to. We got cut off when um slavery happened. That's what fucked everything now up. And now we kind of like trying to get back on track. And another thing I want to um talk about too is as I was saying that I, it made me think of Martin Luther King. And I saw somebody was um, talking about that today. They was like, well, you know, a lot of white people praise Martin Luther King because of what he was doing. But right before death, one of the things that he was saying was, you know, I feel like I'm integrating our people into a burning house. And I feel like the kids need to know that. Our children, Mm -hmm. our children need to know that so that when they go into these institutions and they get this whitewashed or partial little black history and stuff like that, they will know, oh, I remember way back then, but I also remember my mom and my dad telling me that this is the bullshit they're going to try to sprinkle on us while we're here in school, the little, mm-hmm. little sprinkle of black history. This is what they're talking about. But you have to be the one to educate your children on way more than what they're mm-hmm. going to get in school. That is a must for black parents y'all have to do that shit like dead ass like kids got to know that because if they start just like how you were saying kendrick if they start off thinking that they're slaves or that's where history starts for black people they're not going to think shit of themselves but if they see Mansa musa was the richest man in the world and had all the gold on him and he had so much fucking gold like he didn't have like dog dog if if they knew about that it would just set them at a different pace like it I remember when I did have my awakening and that, like that was something that was big to me. I was like, bro, I had no clue that this shit go way back further. And it's so crazy because there's so many more people just like that. Like so many people who the don't Ruba know. Priest- their- the, Uri- the Yoruba priestesses, the deities we were talking about early in the episodes, um, Oshan and all those different type goddesses and all the different things, the healing that they brought to those people, like all of those things are tied into our history. Yeah. Junie, I know you was about to say something. Say, I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like we have to, as the parents, create a vehicle that all of this 
whitewashed information can funnel through and then get expressed to our children. Like we have to be that, that entity standing in the gap in order for them to start being able to see it from their own black lens because mm-hmm. we are that for them, right? And I also understand that as far as it getting to this point, has it, how it's been now, I feel like uh, the previous generation, they just had so much blind faith in the educational system that they never thought for one second that it was gonna right. start happening in this way, right? And they've been out of the loop because they've been so they've been so hard at work trying to survive really in a in a country that in a nation that wasn't built for them really to survive from the jump. You know what I'm saying? And then one of the things that I've noticed about the generation prior to us, our parents' age, our even our grandparents' age, the thing that makes them so ready to not really dive so deeply into them because these people actually live through the worst of a lot of the shit that's going down. You know what I'm saying? Like our parents were living during segregation. Our parents were alive during Jim Crow. A lot of us and a lot of the listeners out there. And it was a constant like, yo, it's a colored fountain right here. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't even drink, drink, drink from the other fountain. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that close to where there's still so much trauma and us collectively mm-hmm. talking about our own individual awakenings, these are awakenings that our parents haven't even had the opportunity to have because they just crawled their way out of Jim Crow and was like, okay, I've been set in this place and I got to now make do for the family that I've created that the American public doesn't want to help me with, you know what I'm saying? But they'll help themselves. They do all this thing, but they'll create a connotation about me accepting some of the help that's supposed to be for me to have access to and then make it seem like a black thing food stamps you know what i'm saying when realistically it's it's more white people on food stamps than it is black people out here if you look at the information out there you know what i'm saying it it, they but they create these things to really like tear us down and our poor parents like this is one of the the (laughs) notes that i wanted to make sure that i passed down here too as we go through our own awakenings and start realizing ourselves more there is a day where you stop looking at your parent as a superhero and you start looking at them as a human being. And that day for me was kind of one of the days when my relationship with my dad changed. Cause my dad was the whipcracker. He was very hard on us. There was no emotional, you know, uh, balance being added to who I was as an individual because that's the way that he grew up. You know what I'm saying? Like, Unfortunately, they were scratching and surviving. They was trying to get it out the mud, literally. Like I was alive when uh, when Walt Malaw started getting concrete roads down there. And it wasn't just dirt roads, you know, going to different relatives' houses and stuff like that. I was alive when we first saw cable down at my grandma's house. You know what I'm saying? Like, and unfortunately for him, it created this person. And that is the person that raised me. I can only imagine if my dad was able to be privy to that type of, you know, spiritual awakening, who he would even be in the world. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the notes that I want to make sure that we, in this conversation, are bridging forth. Like, granted, we got to try to do better than our last generation, but we also still have to make sure that we understand that there's a grace, that we are still human, and it's still every day. We just working to make it better and be better and Hopefully by the time where we're not around anymore, these next generations, these, you know, three generations down, these completely evolved black people in a peaceful place 
that they've created because they wasn't accepting nothing less. That's what I hope. Luca is probably not going to even deal with what we're seeing right now. Right. Until we own and control our own, and we keep teaching that as opposed to anything else, we're always going to be at the deficit. Because again, this system isn't made for you and your people. They made their own system. You can call racism, racism what you want to call it, but at the end of the day, if they create a system for them to survive, why the hell would they care about you? Especially if I can't, I can't get anything off you anymore. So and that's our reason. responsibility to grow, and and it's not it's not about them. Oh, they let us they they can't let us do shit. They can only let us do things in their world. So when we create our own world, we don't have to have these conversations about you know what they'll do to us. That's what I meant when I'm like, okay, if they created this system. Why isn't our, we need to create our own and why isn't our own protecting us? What do you mean? Why? Like when she's saying like how we'll kill one another, but when it comes to like these, these dirty cops, ain't nobody raising up a gun to them. You know, it's like, you still going to go to jail for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody raising their voice. Here's my thing. Black Panther movement. Those men used to take care of those women. They either silenced those black leaders or they killed them. You know what I'm That's saying? True. And a lot of people That's from true. our race saw that and it just kind of terrified them to where there's not men like that that are stepping up in mass numbers collectively like how Black Panther did all over. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, you saw, you saw like Nipsey Hussle. You saw, you see this happening now. Any man that stands up against that you won't get your head knocked off. So come on, you're not gonna see people lying up for that shit. I don't care because self-preservation is yeah. However, yeah. if we focus our attention on building our own, and you can't save the world, but each of our families, as we raise our kids and build our businesses and things of that nature, now we can come together and start controlling things. But again, until you got a, a chair at the table, you're always gonna be a victim. My thing is because it's been so conditioned for us to continually seek approval of them because awesome. they place themselves in the seat at the top. And we're so spellbound by constantly going back for that well to drink that same damn water. And one of the things, the thing I was going to point out earlier is like, it literally came on me this morning, y'all. And I'm like, yo, when it comes to derogatory terms that were created for the different races or whatever, how come we call niggas, right, when they don't like us, and then the closest thing that we have when we want to give it to them is a cracker, but a cracker is still placing them in, uh, they don't like that, they don't like that cunt, but even a cracker, a cracker is still placing them in a position of power, because a whip cracker. That's what it came from. It, it's That's not just, oh, we calling them a saltine. It's right. like, I'm still, <laughs> even, as, even as I'm defaming you, I'm still saying you better than me and you controlling me. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we have to stop as Black people looking to them to help solve our problems, just like you, Kendrick, said. And honestly, I feel like if this is like a little secret meeting that we can have, like, hey, y'all, let's kind of segregate a little bit and, and start that back up again. We'd be unstoppable. I mean, but that happens all that happens naturally. And people try yeah. like they put a connotation on the thing, but look at your black wall streets and things of that nature. So it's not like we can't do it. <laughs> We've done it before. Yeah. 
but we want to be so inclusive to what the fuck they got going they on. Got going we want to be at their country clubs. We want to be in their neighborhoods. We want to say that, oh, I, I, which subdivision are you in? Johns Creek. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I'm on the South Side, boo. That's where I'm at. That's where you find it. Wait, um, let me ask you guys a question. Isn't like Jack and Jill <laughs> kind of like a prestigious uh, organization for us though, right? It is, it is but you don't know I about that to, unless you're middle class or upper middle, middle class. Or unless your legacy, unless yeah. you at, yeah, at, mm-hmm. like Chase and Chad, their legacy, Jack and Jill. So Jack and Jill too. It is a Jack and Jill. So Tiffany and I was talking about them joining her chapter, but I don't even have time for that shit. For real, for real. But it is, it is a way for us to have our kids come together and you know help them learn culturally outside of the norm. But we can do that ourselves. The Jack and Jill thing just. Bullshit. I, I don't really Bullshit. Fucking, like okay well if you didn't come from this this um, strain of people they, they'll be like yeah who are you from where are you from where you go to school things of that nature and it's not really about the kids to me it's clickish it's clickish it's, for, it's, for a mom it's, it it's cl- classism what? and it's elitism still like it's still classism and it's elitism what it is is these black people created an environment in black spaces where they could be the crackers essentially you know what i'm saying and that's what it is they not they're not reaching out to the nigga with the bummy clothes down the street to be like hey come on and be in jack and jill like it's like we have to and that's the thing like we have to start trying to be better than one another and just how about all of us be better than everybody else that's true we're gonna stand in the same lines if it is a judgment day i think we all gonna be single file down the line just like we was in elementary school single file line single file mm-hmm. line okay so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> jack and jill yeah my sons but i don't even it's like i i feel like 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 you said it feels like i'm teaching my kids like when my kids when my ex-husband was about to get my kids into private school oh he big macho yeah my kids i said just so just so you can say my kids go to private school in a conversation that's stupid as shit and i don't yeah. like that kind of stuff that's exactly and if i yeah. gotta pay they ain't going. If they can't go on a school, <laughs> well, at least you, at least you have the say on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, free. dang. Elementary, <laughs> elementary, middle school, and high school free now. Free. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, and you gonna have to turn around and people college if they want to go to college. Who the fuck? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, damn, you expensive as fuck. They're like, damn. But what are, what are you learning? What are you learning that brings value back to your community? <laughs> yeah. And the and the bottom line that comes back down to it is the, the lack of value that we have for ourselves. So if you don't value yourself as an individual, you don't value your community, yeah. you, don't have, you don't value your women, your children, you don't value anything that has anything to do with you or look like you because you hate yourself. Yes. And that oh. showed them. That's what I think the writers and the creators were trying to do. They were trying to show like you know, this this Black family, they moved from North Carolina after a very traumatic situation happened to the mm. wife. And when they get to California, oh, you think you some shit because you live near the, live in a white people neighborhood? And your and kids boy don't even white, want you there. They don't even want they you there. They don't even want you there. Nothing but stress and strife. It don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter what job you got. They don't want Some you of them there. don't you want you. will never be good enough. 
you might be qualified for the job and they might hire you, but they still don't want you there. Like they still yeah. feel like you might eat. What they'll do is they'll steal from you. Okay. Your mm-hmm. ideas from you, they hire, from you. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they just hire you just to steal. Like well, they hire you for they, fire, they hire you for affirmative action because you have to have a certain number of niggas That's in true, yeah. certain positions and departments. You have to have a certain amount of Black people in certain positions now because that's been passed into law because yeah. we all know they've been giving each other they, they friends and they sons. Like, like we're supposed to do when we have a business, give a business or give, them, give somebody a job within our family that is good and has a strength in that area. They damn sure do it in their community, but we don't do it in ours. You know, we do it sometimes, but we don't do it at the rate that they yeah. do. We don't yeah. have, you know, we don't have the collective because, again, this whole race thing is a team sport. Yes. And think about it. Think about it as Black people. When it comes to sports, we dominate. Black music mm-hmm. is like the biggest selling, highest grossing genre of music in the world. Mm-hmm. Where's our wealth? Non-existent because because they don't teach us the business aspect because we've been we've been taking yes. advantage of for so long so long like they take advantage of us any chance they get people like Clarence Avant exist um, he was like the called the Black Godfather of for for the Black people in entertainment and he kind of was mm-hmm. just a brother that got a Nike great education and has worked he was kind of like he kind of like put people together and somebody told me to watch this video because. It's kind of like super great documentary about, but people like that. Look at Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's making films back in the 70s about, you know, changing your mind and giving back to the community. He did all these things, but the moment (laughs) they had no use for him. Becky, no, it wasn't. Black people was like, yeah, 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 fuck Bill Cosby. Like, yeah. I never yeah. said fuck Bill Cosby. Oh, like, I mean, no, I'm not saying you yeah. said it, but again, when we have people that are singled out at that level, they're still kind of like being a super rich black person is almost like being a poor black person in this country. It was a problem here's the thing, though. the Smithsonian and when he wanted to buy NBC. And when they saw what? him as a threat, they had to eliminate the They're threat. either going to silence. Thing. Here's the thing. With, with, with Bill, with Bill, here's the thing though. You can't delude yourself into thinking you can do the same shit that these white people out here doing just because you in the rooms with these white people. Bill mm-hmm. was making these movies. He was in control of a lot of these networks. He was doing this, that, the other. And he thought, oh, I see this, this other peer of mine way looting hoes in the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do the same shit. He forgot he was fucking black for a second, right? He's, and he's that's my, where he slipped. Here's my point. It's not even about that part, to tell you the truth. It's about the fact that that's this a is a person who actually gave a lot to the community, which everybody's saying black people don't give back to the communities. And when the other side said, hey, we don't need you anymore, so we're about to cut your head off. Not as very few black people, regardless of the fact of what he did, or allegedly did oh. that stuff Black. stuff to his Bill Cosby was wrong oh, here cussing Bill niggas now. out. <laughs> Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby was wrong here disowning us, cursing us out by buying Jordans. Bill, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Listen, 
He had his nose so far up in the goddamn air. Now look at him. <laughs> Ass in the air in the jailhouse. <laughs> That's my point, though. That's my point. First of all, first of all, this is a whole nother conversation for another day because at the end of the day, them Beckys be fucking y'all up with that Me Too movement, okay? That ain't our fault. That ain't our fault oh. y'all be wanting to fuck with these Beckys. They jumping on y'all black girls jumping on that shit too now. This is definitely a conversation for another day, but Deshaun Watson has 22 women that basically is saying he on Instagram. Now you now, now, see, this is what, Johnny, this is my point about going back to the black hoodie. Don't invite shit to your motherfucking porch. Why would you know, why, why would you be on Instagram as a millionaire searching for damn Instagram massage therapists? <laughs> what? what the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know this story. Why, Deshaun? You went to Clemson, which is a predominantly white school. My sister went to that school, and I visited that school on several occasions. And when I tell you trains was happening on a Tuesday, like it was nothing with the football players, it was happening. It was going down. So, you know, Tara, my sister, her idea is like, he went to Clemson. He don't have to do that. I said, this man was on, this man was on Instagram. as an Instagram hoes. Everybody know them Instagram hoes get you in trouble? as an Instagram girls to do massages when he so he basically was busting down random girls getting massages and they got mad when they wouldn't when when he wouldn't give them well if you well since you don't want to be with me or whatever just give me a hundred thousand and i'll be quiet he said mm. ah, no, no 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 that was a massage but girls are coming out saying that he they were forced to give him head fellatio my bad forced to give him fellatio Sometimes he would be inappropriately grinding and doing all kinds of stuff. Sometimes he would get up and rub his penis against them. All these, like, the stories, like, literally the stories are in the paper and I've been following it because I'm sick of these Beckys. Look at Kumo. They're trying to take down Kumo in New York talking about some sexual um, harassment or sexual assault. This man ain't did nothing but ask you about your boyfriend and that's sexual assault? So when it comes to the black man, I just, it's hard for us women to come behind and support when the first thing you do when you get some money is get a white bitch. Uh -huh. It's hard, Kendrick. It's hard for me. Most black men black women. Black women do not go and run and get no damn white man. The only reason why she probably end up being with somebody other than her race is because she done been dressed. Now, I'm not saying this about black men because I feel like there are great, amazing black men out there. They're mm -hmm. Junie is one, Kendrick, you used to be. But at the end of the day, when you look at any of those things, the first person you see, oh, honey, you're so happy. That's such a small percentage of black men, though. So you, that's not even. It's, I, a, I, lot I, of, it's a lot of it's a lot of black men. How many that, men at that level? Black men is such a small. We're only like fourteen percent of the population, and that's probably one tenth of that. That's right, and it may not be right, but I know for a fact there's over. Blacksstatistics.com. 
is 223 million millionaires. And out of those 223, about 40% of them are black men. Okay. So at the end of the day, half of those men are choosing a different race to be with as a wife. And you can research this. You can fact check all of this information. So for Bill Cosby, for OJ Simpson, for all of these niggas that was uppity and too good and too good and not enough, look where your ass ended up at soon as they did not need you no more. As soon as they, it's like society will build you up just to tear you down when it comes to being a black man. So it's like, you got to skate that line. That's why Jay-Z be so disrespectful to their ass. So I just feel like, you know, if we kept, I know, I know we live in a global world, so that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that I would, I'm opposed to dating a white man or even, because if he treat me good, it don't matter. It don't, it just, none of that really matters. If he's for the things that I'm for and all that good stuff, we- Her phone oh. must have died. But oh you know God. why her phone probably died? Listen, let me tell you something. Want to know she's got a lie. Let her bring a white man home. Watch what Smokey do. Cut his eyes. I'm just playing. No, it'll be all love. I'm sure it'll be all love. I had to make that joke because you know, want to like joke now. Overall point behind all that simple fact that we need to take care of ourselves as a whole. And we have to have unity to do that. So it's hard for a person that knows that don't have protection to elevate his community as high as he can without being the target. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's all about us. We we got to make sure that we start closing ranks. You know what I'm saying? Like they got all these other races and all these other nationalities that are so tight, tight, tight to where they come from another country, come here. You see somebody you ain't never met before, but like, Oh, you're from Saigon? Exactly. Hey, I got a job over here. Like, let's do this thing together. And even uh, with uh, with individuals from the continent. Oh, you from Liberia? I got you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, Afri us as African-Americans, we have to be active, working on unpacking the traumas that have been collectively lived through that right. are constantly fucking us up and fucking us mm -hmm. over. And then we can see that brighter day for us and that brighter day for parenting while black. I think to surmise our convo, you know what I'm saying? Cause we have like reached our hour and, and then some, oh, I yeah. think one of the most important things that we learned from this conversation is that parenting while black has to be an all hands on deck type situation. Literally living while black needs to be an all hands on deck situation. Right. If you see your brother struggling, if you see a child struggling, if you see your child struggling, give them the tools to be able to have the confidence and the fortitude of self to be able to make it past that struggle. Right. And I think we gotta make sure that we stop looking elsewhere for those things because all the tools that we need are directly in-house. And so for anyone out there that, is bringing a child into the world or even has a child, if you like realize that it's never too late to make a shift in your parenting style. If you listen to this and it's like, damn, I'm like, I've been kind of hard on my kids and they about to be out of here in a couple years. Make sure that you double time work to make sure that your kid has a soft place to land just in case anything happens out there and make sure that you prepare them 
for what you've been trying to protect them from. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that from Wanda. I'm gonna write a whole damn book, and little does she know, I'm going straight to the top, billionaire baby. <laughs> but that being said, um, cousins, do you guys have any lasting keys to give to our audience before we sign off for the evening? Yeah, just a real quick to piggyback off what you were saying, um, Junie. Simple fact that we are, as parents, our job is to not really own our kids, but to give them a, like you said, a soft place to land and kind of grow and be nurtured to prepare themselves to go out into the real world and be successful and happy. So it's very important that we don't put our fears and biases on our children because they're, they're developing and learning. We can actually have a, we kind of grow together. You know what I'm saying? Each year we're getting older, they're getting older. So, okay, well, this is what I've learned from my experience. And as we move forward, as you have experiences, you should be able to come and talk to me about your experiences. We can kind of come up with plans that you need help with or some things that, you know, this is what I'm gonna do, dad. And okay, well, here's the plan. And I'm gonna support that. So it's very important that we support ourselves, love ourselves and show that love to our children. To say that, of course, like we all know that being black in itself is a job of course but of course just like y'all were saying parents and why black um just to kind of sum it up you know it does take a village you know what i'm saying and everybody does raise their village differently and every kid will learn differently but as long as you set the tone in the house you build the foundation as the black parent for that black child you know what i'm saying so as long as you set a good solid foundation for them they should have a soft place to land um uh, I wanted to kind of, kind of even make like not necessarily make a little joke, but parenting has changed um, while black because uh, when the conversation started during the podcast, when the podcast started, I was at uh, an outlet, Tanger Outlet, kind of like an outlet mall or whatever, and I was just thinking about like how parenting has changed. Like kids can't even get their ass whooped in public anymore, you know, especially because like oh, we were the only ones doing that. Like we. We beat our turn and we beat our dogs okay like like we just think that that's okay but I, it's just it just goes to show that you know through each with each generation we're learning to to move differently you know what i'm saying so um parenting while black you can definitely use a helping hand or a helping conversation or a helping perspective from somebody else it's all about evolution so each, each yeah. generation needs to evolve so absolutely and that brings us to the end of season one. We want to thank y'all for rocking with us. We just four cousins that came together to try to present something to you guys from a different perspective from everything that you've seen out there. We are real family, real <laughs> blood, all of that. And uh, we just want to kind of put our input into the world. And we hope that during this experience, you guys have felt close to us and felt our ups and felt our downs and felt our laughs and felt our passion about these subjects because although we are all physically family, we are still a spiritual family as Black people in America in 2021. And we want to make sure that we leave y'all with, even if you ain't got nobody else, baby, you got some cousins.